Hey everybody, welcome to episode 6 of the Combat Chain Podcast. I'm your host, Adam Filipchuk, alongside Andrew Podleski and Jeff Horan. And how's it going today, guys? Good, man, good. Yeah, pretty good. We're, uh, we're Merry Christmas, yeah, boys. Merry Christmas, happy everyone at home. to everyone. Yeah. We're recording here on the uh, 26th on Boxing Day. Uh, did you guys have a good Christmas? Yeah, man. Had a good time. Yeah, Any... it's minus 29 or something. Got oh, some I know. good gifts. it's snowing been... again. Yeah, just staying inside, keeping warm, drinking lots of eggnog. and That's all you can do. Uh, yeah. Yeah, any... Any cool flesh and blood related gifts you guys got? No. Oh. <laughs> I got uh, I got I got some cash which is probably gonna go to flesh and blood. That's but Adam, I saw you posted a really cool picture. Yeah. You wanna tell us about that? I got super lucky. So I've been trying to get my hands on any um, armory poster that I've been able to get my hands on for the last while, and I think I'm up to six now. Um and uh, for Christmas, my girlfriend, Brooklyn, was really, uh, really on top of things and got me my posters framed. So now I've got uh, on my wall uh, Prism, Young Prism, uh, Young Chain. Uh, there's, what were the other two? Um, Lexi uh, and... Dadadol. Well, I ended up... So we, I initially I had Dadadol on the wall, but Dadadol got taken down because like the, the colors didn't, like the color profile didn't like fit in with kind of the other three. It, uh, it's got a lot of like the same tones as the Lexi poster does. And so side by side, yes. they looked kind of weird and I wanted something else. So I ended up, I took um, Dadadol down and I've got, I think, Kasai up on the wall instead. So I've still got yeah. the, the Christmas poster of um, the dude with the big belly. I've got to get him framed and then he'll probably just get put up um, during the the sea, or holiday season, and then I'll leave them with my uh, Christmas decorations for the rest of the year. And then I think I'm gonna set up Dada doll behind my desk. We're gonna make this other collage with some other pictures, and it'll look really cool. So that was nice. Yeah, dude, it looks so good. Oh, I'm, I was so stoked, and uh, it was like this because like what five framed posters sitting in a box under the tree. I had no clue what it was, and it sounded like I like <laughs> to like pick up packages and like shake them a little bit and see if I can figure out what it is. And no, I had oh no. My God, clue. you're a little kid. I am a little kid <laughs> at heart. I mean, okay, let's let's look at it this way. I'm 30 years old, and I'm trying to pursue a, a trading card game professionally. Like, <laughs> I am a little kid at heart. Um, little kid at heart, still a big kid on the outside. Yeah, exactly. Uh, but yeah, that was super cool. And then, uh, and then Jeff, you were saying, I, I know this isn't uh, quite on the the side of flesh and blood, but you're saying you got a, a box for your your magic cube. Yeah. Well, before I just had my cube in like four fat pack boxes, oh. and it was kind of a nightmare because you know I'd put them on the backpack and then take them on the lids would be flying all over the place. And- <laughs> You know, it- a couple of sleeves got broken from like the lids crunching down on them, so that oh, was shoot. not ideal. Is it like a like a nice uh, wooden ornate wooden box or something like that? Then uh, it's from it's like Supreme Guard or something. It's like a Supreme case, and it's got like uh like velvet inside, and it's oh. it's like kind of like a super, but like a little longer and like deeper, and it's got like two big compartments for like tokens and stuff, and then it's got like a separate compartment where you can put all the lands and then so it's like like made for cube then 
Well, I don't know if it's made for cube. It also but can it, hold like the boulders, like the the big square, oh, okay. like those cases, pretty good. But uh, yeah, it uh, it holds like my entire five forty cube, double sleeved, like perfectly. That's and then it's awesome. got like the lid comes down, and it's got like an actual Velcro strap on the front, so you can like throw it off a bridge. And it would just like still be okay. Like this thing is indestructible. <laughs> that that's nice. exactly what you want out of your your cube boxes. Like you want the you want to be able to throw it off a bridge and it'd still be okay. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, uh, no, that's awesome, guys. Uh, this week on the episode, we uh, got a few things we're gonna dip into. I know we've got some spoilers to talk about. Um, we're gonna do our level up moment and uh, the big thing we're gonna be dipping into is talking about. Uh, the uh, the band and restricted update we got uh, a couple weeks ago the uh, it came out between uh, our eps- our last record came out after our, our last episode was recorded so um, I think there's a lot to unpack there and uh, hopefully that'll yeah that'll make up uh, that'll make up the bulk of the pot I think but uh, before we get into that anything anything in your guys's week in flesh and blood I know we've all been kind of um, busy with the holidays and I was busy with work there but um, any events that you guys did manage to make it out to? Um, I feel like, I don't even know if it was a week or two weeks ago, but I played one CC event at Common Box Games and lost the Pare Down Mirror match to Jeff. Oh no. <laughs> I, think that, I think that was the last time I played Flesh and Blood. Yeah, sorry about that. Yeah, you went to Common Box last week, so I think that was two weeks ago already now. Yeah, yeah, it must have been. And uh, yeah, that was the week Curran won. I think he was playing Bravo, and he just three would took it home. Yeah, nice, good for Curran. So that was cool to see. Yeah, yeah. it's actually it's funny they mentioned that like Curran on Bravo. I've actually, I have a feeling Guardian is going to be the next Runeblade. Um, where we we've gotten some like with Runeblade having the most support out of every hero or out of every class so far. Um, I, I think Guardian kind of has, in, at least from what I, my opinion, like the second most support. Um, you know, we've gotten Welcome to Wraith had really good Guardian support. Um, and then now, like in Tales, like we've gotten some wicked tools for Guardian. And then we just got, um, well, I guess this wasn't super recent, but it's still since last episode we recorded, we got the, uh, the Valda Bright Axe teaser. And true. I think that's um, that's an indication of what's to come. And then there's been there's been some I think more teasers that we're gonna get some or some not even teasers. Well, yeah, some hints that there there's more um, Guardian stuff coming. Uh, I think there was just that article that went up on Fab TCG. Uh, let me see here. Uh, it was like a story of some sort. Um, oh yeah, is the it this lore. Merry Christmas. No, not the Merry Christmas post. Oh, the Grand Adventure post on December 26th. Um, it's kind of like, uh, I haven't read it yet, but uh, from what I saw on Facebook, it looks like it's kind of a bit of a story, and there's people who've been like highlighting portions of the story, being like, no, this is an indication of like PVE to come, or things like that. So, um, yeah, I think Guardian is going to have its reckoning here pretty soon. Um Jeff, what about your uh, your past weeks? I know you made it out to Common Box this past week. Uh, I saw you there, and uh, anything else going on? Uh, yeah, I played another Blitz event. Last week was 
we had the it was Colin Box Blitz and played some Reinar and I played Reinar the night before um, at a different Blitz event and I think overall I went four and two so pretty decent. That's not bad. Showing yeah I had a couple um, not at Common Box but the night before I had uh, a couple turns where I just turn one intimidated my opponent's entire hand and swung in for eighteen and. Oh. <laughs> Then it's you just got a reckless time. swing the last two points of damage. Yeah, yeah I actually I won uh, won a game against Azalea where I hit him for 15 on turn one and then uh, chipped in with the club on turn two and then got him with the reckless swing on the last turn. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Three-turn yeah. game, that's awesome. Yeah, it was pretty, it was pretty fun. But uh, yeah, we, uh, Runner has been, uh, he's my boy. It's always a good time. You're a brute player. Runner looks through. fun, man. Yeah. yeah turns are usually pretty easy you know you block a bunch and then you're like okay i'm gonna attack you with this big dumb six attack or alpha rampage for a bunch and yeah just make your opponent make the decisions i don't want to make decisions i just want to <laughs> i just want to send it just full send right on exactly. well um yeah where are my notes here decided this week to like work partially on my phone and partially off of my paper and i think that was a mistake because now i'm like my phone keeps going silent and um or keeps shutting down his screen and then my notes go away and then i gotta go unlock my phone to get him back um you're just lost at your desk not sure where to look exactly yeah i've got my screen going i've got my pad of paper i've got my phone it's too much uh, i'm gonna streamline this for next week um no that's awesome guys uh so if you quick pieces of news um unfortunately this one's really sad uh the calling in utrecht got um officially canceled i know initially it was supposed to be december 6 i think uh it was supposed to be in early december and then the covid situation yeah no december uh come on calendar uh December the, the weekend of December 4th 5th uh, and uh, it um, unfortunately the COVID situation there has been worsening and then they were looking at postponing it and now I think they've just decided to outright cancel it so that's a little unfortunate um, and then on top of that uh, some some other events uh, got rescheduled the big ones being New Zealand, Australian, and Singapore nationals. Uh, I know in an earlier episode we said our national season is done, and we were incorrect. That's not quite the case. Uh, we still have those three nats to go through. And uh, do you? I I could probably pull up the dates here quickly. Or I don't know if you guys have those dates handy for when those update updated events are supposed to be coming. I do not. Okay, give me one second. Um. I know they were all supposed to happen before December 14th originally. Yeah, because I remember New Zealand was supposed to, I think, actually kick off the national season. That was supposed to be, I think, the first one. And that one, unfortunately, got... It's just been postponed so many times. Yeah, which is a little unfortunate. Um, it's sad to see... Uh, it's sad to see things um, not be able to pan out the way LSS has initially intended for them to play out. Um, but it's kind of funny uh, that despite the pandemic mucking with a lot of of uh, LSS's plans, in a way, LSS also has the pandemic to think because I think a lot of their success came out of the turmoil of the pandemic, such as like when when the game first launched pre-pandemic and everybody was like, well, I've got magic, I don't care, or I've got this game, I don't care. 
people then throughout the pandemic, throughout lockdown, were like, I need something new to do. And that's when a lot of people I, I hear found flesh and blood. Um, I know that's kind of how I, well, that was part of what motivated me to check it out more was this whole concept that like, I've got nothing to do. I might as well play a new game with the girlfriend at home. And uh, then beyond that, like Skirmish season one was huge for the game. Uh, and the fact that it got pushed online, like there was so much innovation and there was so much um, interaction and like people like developed so much because of all the best players in the world were all playing online in the same events. And that, that, that part was really cool to see. I know, yeah, you guys unfortunately weren't around during skirmish season one and skirmish season two, but I know like I, I grew so much as a player throughout those seasons. Um, and just like, it did kind of feel like, like skirmish season three was cool, but skirmish season three didn't have the same excitement and buzz that the first skirmish season, especially the first skirmish season had, um, and like I think when part I was... of the reason for that, sorry to cut you off, I think no, part of the reason good. for that is is just, you know, now that we've had some callings and we've had the Nationals and even, even just Road to Nationals, there's a there's more higher level play and then that leaves skirmish season to be a little bit more casual and it was fun to have drafts yeah, not cause... be, you know, super spiky. It was a little more casual and, you know, you could play some blitz, play some draft and just kind of exactly. have a good time. and. Because, yeah, they've yeah. got that... T- LSS has their tier system for for how events are supposed to play out. And, like, your armory is, like, kind of the bottom end of tier one. And then, like, Road to Nationals and Pro Quests fall in tier two. Tier three is, like, Nationals and Callings. And then tier four is, like, Pro Tour and Worlds. And... We, we've had a bunch of tier three events now, and that allows Skirmish, which belongs in like the high end of tier one, that allows Skirmish to be, in fact, that, a tier one event and not something that everybody's trying to spike and show who's the best of the best. So I think, and I think that's going to be really good for the, the, the long-term future of the game. Uh, players can now, like new players and less experienced players can come in and not feel as intimidated playing against say like the matt rogers of the world or things like that anymore mm-hmm. so i think it's a move in the right direction um but yeah so the utrek utrek's been canceled unfortunately um i have not been able to find the dates here for the other nationals like i thought i would be able to um, uh, same yeah. i was looking to this whole time and yeah back can't find back them. in october they uh put out an article at the start of national season and uh they basically just said they don't have a date yet but it wouldn't be in 2021 and then they've put out an update for new zealand um that appears that uh the event may not be able to go ahead at all so oh really um, so i think think they're wow yeah i think they've all but officially canceled uh, the New Zealand Nationals and trying to organize some sort of uh, alternative event with uh, cool prizes instead of a national uh, a nationals event. I wonder if they're going to do like because I remember uh, when the uh, Australian um, calling got canceled. That was supposed to be right after Auckland. Um, they uh, ended up doing a, a pro quest in a portion of. Uh, Australia that wasn't locked down at the time, so I wonder if they're going to do something like that for New Zealand then instead. Mm-hmm. That'd be interesting. Which would be, which would be fine. Uh, I mean, it, 
it's it is sad that we don't get to see that um especially like when new zealand is thought to be some of the best players in the world it would be nice to to see all those uh players face off and the fact that i think that one would actually be hosted by lss itself uh they put on a pretty good production so it's a shame we don't get to see any of that um pan out but uh yeah hopefully they manage to find something else to do to replace it um and then and then yeah hopefully this is uh yeah with omicron running around right now hopefully um I'm I'm hearing some some reports that Omicron might be the strain we've been waiting for to hopefully finally transition this thing from a pandemic to an endemic. So fingers crossed that that plays out that way and we can get back to normal in 2022. Mm-hmm. Um, would be nice, be very nice. Uh, but I think we're we're not quite out of the woods yet. We've uh, a little bit of choppy water to go through still, but yeah, fingers crossed. Spoilers. We got uh, we kind of touched on Valda already, but we got three spoilers from Everfest so far. We got Valda Bright X. We got um, from the Armory kit, we got Life of the Party. And then on Christmas Day yesterday, we got um, This Rounds on Me, the first M we're seeing from from Everfest. Because Life of the Party, I think, is just in a rare, I think. Um, I've only seen the promo art for it so far, so I can't confirm that. But my theory is it's a rare. Hmm. Um, Life of the Party is very much an interesting one. Uh, it uh, The fact that it, it interacts with Crazy Brew, I know a lot of people are excited about that. Oh yeah, Life of the Party has three colors, so it has to be, it can't be anything higher than a rare. Um, yeah. Yeah, the, yeah, Life uh, of the Party is pretty sweet. I, uh, I like Crazy Brew a lot. I actually don't think it's that bad of a card, but... Uh, <laughs> No, Maybe and you guys it, will disagree. Well, I was going to say yeah, that coming from a Reinar player, that makes sense. <laughs> uh, I, I think Crazy Brew is a really cool card. I've always seen it as kind of like a, a janky fun card, but like when it when it pops off, it's good. It's just that that whole variable of it's not consistent, and I think that's what makes it not competitive. But now, I think Life of the Party adds a lot of consistency to um, uh, to. Uh, uh, crazy brew because now crazy brew not only do you roll dice to see what it does but you can either discard it or destroy it and give uh life of the party if if you do a substantial bonus uh so life of the party reads you may discard or destroy a card you control named crazy brew uh rather than pay life of the party's resource cost if you do choose all three modes otherwise choose one mode and the modes are life of the party gains when this hits gain two life uh, life of the second mode is life of the party gains plus two and third is life of the party gains go again so at red comes in for four so a six power like if you got the crazy brew in hand or on the board uh a six powered gain to or threatening a two life gain with a go again for free plus you can pummel it that's pretty good uh really that's, the only downside it ha- the only downside it has is it uh it blocks for two which i think is right um, yeah, I think just typically generic rares block for two. Yeah, um, I, I think there are some rares or some generics that block for three. Uh, there, you know, you got cards. That, the only ones I can think of off the top of my head are common rarity, though, like Wounded Bull. Um, oh yeah, uh, uh, Whispers of Oracle, and uh, there's some like Raging Onslaught or whatever. Some, some yeah, and like Vanilla Assault, and so there are some generics that block for three, but I find the generics that block for three don't have really any other upside. 
So I think like mm-hmm. from a, a balance standpoint, it makes sense to see uh, Life of the Party block for two. Um, but yeah, beyond that, like I, I could see Life of the Party and Crazy Brew kind of getting some more um, consistent uh, competitive edge now. Uh, I don't know what you guys think. I don't know about a competitive edge, but definitely an edge. I'm I'm excited to brew uh, some janky uh, crazy brew brute blitz decks. <laughs> mm, yeah, that'd be sweet. Yeah, yeah. And when I say competitive, looks fun for when sure. When I say competitive edge, I don't mean like yeah, it just helps make, make it a little better. You know, more consistent. Yeah, yeah. It's more fun when my janky ideas sometimes win. <laughs> yeah i mean i think that is a necessary point like for this game because flesh and blood is so skill-based uh compared to other card games um i think it's important that there is room in the game for jank to be fun and to be viable uh and not it doesn't necessarily need to be the best but it needs to be viable enough that like people can have fun trying different brews at their local armories so yeah my hope is life of the party helps with that um, this rounds on me though. The first M we're seeing in the set. This one's spicy. Um, it's a it comes in blue. It's a one costed generic, uh, non attack action. Each hero draws a card, and then until the start of your next turn, attacks that target you have minus one, and it's a three block. Like, and it has go and again. It ha- and it has go again. Like, it replaces itself. It. It, it it can it blocks for three like it it's a spicy card like I could see I could see it playing well in control strategies I could see it playing well in Briar maybe not like Cheerios Briar but um, hybrid Briar possibly um, yeah I mean just the fact that it's a cheap non attack action with Go again is really important in decks like Briar or Chain when you're trying to activate like your bounding demigons or your unhollowed rates and it's a blue which is a nice bonus. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, like put it in the resource slot. I could see like I could see it actually even like Kano I could see it playing well in. Like you can Kano it out, draw a card, attacks have minus one, you draw a card, like that's probably not bad and and you can gain an action point off of it if you Kano it out. Like Yeah, that's actually sweet in Kano. Mm. Yeah, that's pretty sweet. I really uh, like that it just it just minimizes the the breakpoints, you know? Like just we're yeah. seeing a lot of decks that are just, you know, oh, I I'm not going to play the the threes or the or the fives or the sixes. I'm just going to play all the fours because that's where the breakpoints are. Yeah, because your breakpoint, yeah, like just fours a breakpoint, and then your next breakpoint is seven. So, yeah, like your fours become threes, your sevens become sixes. Um, yeah, and it you, you can just it you know you might be giving your opponent a card, but you make up for that if they're attacking for you know with more than one attack right because you can block with less cards every time yeah so i i think i think this rounds on me uh it's gonna be spicy and honestly after reading this rounds on me i'm really excited to see what else we're getting in in everfest like really excited yeah and i think yeah i think it was a good uh precursor when we saw valda who requires you know to get her uh, her seismic surge ability? Um, you know your opponent has to draw three cards right on their yep. turn. So this is a card that can, or maybe it doesn't help them. <laughs> well, it doesn't help make seismic surges. <laughs> well, so um, yeah, so the the other spoiler we got. Uh, well, 
well, we, we did talk touch on this quickly, but Val de Brightax, uh, the first young hero we're seeing out of Everfest. Um, I'm expecting we're going to, because I think in, uh, in in Crucible we got, was it six young heroes? Yeah, well, this um, in this art here, the bard, they've given a name today. They're calling him Yorick in this post today called A Grand Adventure. At the top, it talks about Lexi traveling with this bard named Yorick, this gruff dwarven blacksmith named Thon, um, and an, an aspiring magician named Mara. And I bet you these are all going to be young heroes. Ooh, interesting. Especially the bard, like we keep seeing come up in all sorts of different arts and lores and stories and pictures. Yeah, bard and- is one we've been um, we've been anticipating for a while. I think people were possibly even anticipating bard in both Monarch and in Tales. Um, I mean, Everfest would make a lot of sense for us to get, finally get Bard. I do suspect we'll get, sadly, another Runeblade. I, I, I shouldn't say sadly, um, but I think people are kind of fed up with Runeblade at this point. So, uh, but I, I'm—I don't know if there's going to be room for it. Well, so let's see if we have so Valda because Valda's uh, one guardian. guardian. Yeah. Um, and then we're gonna have the. The traveling bard Yorick, always searching for new stories. Yeah. The gruff dwarven blacksmith Thon, with a keen eye for craftsmanship. Do you think? I wonder if that'll be like a new class, or if he'll just be like a warrior. Okay, that's yeah, that's interesting to to point. Because yeah, I don't think like bard I know is has been in the lore for a while, but I, I haven't heard of magician or of um, blacksmith. So blacksmith. I don't. Yeah. Sus- I. I Mind you, I've never had access to the the lore book from uh, the retailer appreciation kit, so I've never had a chance personally to see what all the different classes we know of up until this point are. Uh, and I'm I'm just I'm not the biggest lore guy, so um, yeah, I I, I genuinely yeah, don't then, know. Um, and then the aspiring magician Mara, who has a flair for the dramatic. So that's already like five or four young heroes. So as a magician, I bet you. Would, do you think that would fall into... Could that fall into wizard, do you think? That's kind of what I was thinking. Yeah, it could. Because I know a lot of people have been wanting a new wizard as well. Um, so that would be really cool. Yeah, and then I'm pretty sure she's going to be young because it talks about her being like an aspiring magician and she's dramatic and she looks kind of young. So, And I think, I mean, if, if Crucible of War is any indication, I don't expect us to get any adult heroes in... in yeah, I I think it's just going to be young heroes. I know some people have pointed out to the fact that, like, because I know one discussion is even could we get another young Bravo in this um, in Everfest? I know some people have been wondering about that, especially because the playmat that got announced in the um, in the 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 January Armory kit um, is actually called Bravo Star of the Show, which is a different naming uh, venture than what they used for like. Is isn't is, right, isn't yeah. Bravo? Crap! I'm showstopper. Yeah, that sounds right. I, I've heard two theories so far. One is that Bravo Star of the Show is going to be in a boss in uh, PVE, um, and the the article we got um, that we were just referencing kind of alludes to that that you can challenge the Star of the Show to feats of strength. So if we get some sort of PVE component around Everfest, that would be really cool. Uh, and even we, in the product releases, we've been told that we're getting Everfest on February 4th now, 
but we're also getting a standalone booster set in Q2 of 2022, and there's another release pending or another like grayed out box on the product release page that kind of just shows three question marks and it also says q2 of 2022 so maybe that's the pve release that would be really cool but it's it's kind of we can only speculate at this point i do think we should touch on it quickly though we haven't actually we, we've mentioned valda a bunch but we haven't actually talked about what she does uh so whenever an opponent draws a card during their action phase uh you get to create a seismic surge token for each card drawn this way and then at the start of your turn if you control three or more seismic surge tokens cards with crush gain dominate uh and then the other really interesting thing about valda so she she only a young hero um four intellect but 21 health that's interesting um yeah, we've yeah. never the first time we've seen. never seen yeah a hero be above twenty health uh, for blitzer for blitz before. Um, and my thought is that the extra point of health is to balance out the fact that Valda only does something if her opponent does something that 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 contributes to her. Um, but despite that, I I think Valda is going to be pretty spicy. Um, I know Plunder Run triggers her. Um, Gorganian Tome triggers her. Uh, the spiciest one I've heard of so far is Three of a Kind. Fully turns on her effect on its own. Um, Ooh, yeah, true. Trying to think the of what else. The tomes all trigger her. Yeah, the tomes all trigger her. Um, Tome of Harvest, especially that turns on her ability again. And like, yeah, and uh, and uh, uh, Tome of Divinity with the uh, with the card and soul. Oh yeah, that one too. Um. Like Valda's gonna be, Valda's gonna be spicy, <laughs> and it and it is worth noting. I mean, even cards like Tome of Fiendel or uh, or any other card that draws two, you can make a seismic surge on your turn, and then if they draw two cards, then you get her effect as well. Yeah. Now here's a question: in the in her text, it says during their action phase. So if they're in in a combat link. And you de-react, and maybe there's a de-react in the new set that uh, makes each player draw a card or something. Would that be considered their action phase? Yep, because it's you get taking a seismic place. Surge? That's within the action phase still. Okay, gotcha. So and yeah, I think that would be a, a cool cool design. I think we'll see probably a number of designs that have each player drawing cards, you know, kind of part of the festival theme. Yeah, that's a good point, though. Like, the more cards in Everfest that have people drawing cards just the better valda gets yeah yeah it's gonna make for yeah some very spicy blitz nights for sure absolutely um, i was just still perusing that story and at the end they run into queen rosetta which looks like medusa or some big dryad leafy queen it's interesting. A, so that's a room blade for sure <laughs> <laughs> could be or it could be like part of the pve story some sort of boss or thing we fight or meet up with uh, oh yeah i Got see rosetta the, rosetta see in the, the name <laughs> yeah <laughs> hmm that's a really that's really so. yeah i see the picture now of her on the article um yeah usually not a big lore guy but this story is actually pretty cool i'm gonna have to th- read this later on today i should have read this i should have read this before we recorded this episode <laughs> Um. Yeah, I see. Like they even reference the legendary Korshim here. Like, there's a lot of cool stuff in this. Um, yeah, they're they're hinting at stuff for sure. It's cool. I'm excited for everything. Yeah, first. and then just I 
seeing things like this also just excite me for this game in general because it's so obvious that LSS's heart's in the right place um, and that they're doing everything from from the standpoint of just making the game as good as possible and as inviting as possible to as many people as possible. I remember when the game first launched here in North America or like officially launched in North America, the the, the big priority was on competitive play initially and that was kind of part of what got me into Flesh and Blood and made me fall in love with it. But the fact that they're now pushing lore and they're showing off that or they're hinting that there could be some pve well no they've confirmed that we're getting pve they just haven't confirmed what or when yet but they like all these things like the tv show they're really they're really doing such a good job of like creating a product that is is meant for everyone and i think that's so cool yeah they're doing they great are. and um on the topic of lss and what they're doing the BNR update. Uh, I know we're a little late talking about this. Uh, the update came out on, was it December 14th? Yep. Yep. Big news, but also no news at the same time. LSS has opted for a no ban. Yeah, on the surface, it kind of looks like no news. But when you delve in deeper, like they say specifically that they didn't want to make changes in the middle of a competitive season. And because of the COVID postponings like like we've been talking about the australia new zealand and singapore nats hadn't happened yet um the calling utrich hadn't happened yet and that was kind of their decision for not making any changes. right because by december initially when they chose december 14th they they kind of hinted well they said so in this most recent bnr update that all those events were ha- supposed to have already happened yeah. and that they were going to make the decision based off of the data from every event so I don't know what you guys think. Um, I mean, I have some thoughts for cards that could be impactful if they were banned, restricted, or limited. Um, But I think for where we're at in the season and where we're at with the health of the format, I think LSS make the right choice. I think I agree. I think, yeah, I think some stuff might still be on the chopping block, but I think at this point we wait for Everfest and see how the new cards shake things up and then they can reassess the cards that they've already got in their scopes. Yeah, cuz and they didn't even they didn't even say that they have a watch list this time. They they just purely said cuz I remember when the we got the the ban restricted update for that that banned seeds and banned duskblade and cc. At that time they said, "Well, unhallowed rights is, no, not unhallowed uh, hell from beyond is also on our watch list on their watch list because it can recur unhallowed rights." But I then I I wonder too if when they say something's on their watch list, if that's like a hint for then people to go, oh, this card must be busted. I should be trying to just build around it. Well, when they had said that, like everybody was on chain, like all of the road to national events were like 60% chains in like the top 24 of the room. And yeah, I think people knew that that was a pretty solid play pattern that mostly everyone was on Yeah, that's, that's a really good point. But like, despite that, I think also... Briar, now, yeah, she's oppressive and she's um, she's a hard foe to beat, but Briar now isn't what Chain was at his prime, I think. Um, the fact that Chain could, well, A, we, we did the math, and Chain, if he's running creepers on top of everything else that he usually runs, he has an intrinsic block of 13 with his equipment alone. And then on top of that... Um, chain can block with three cards banish a bunch of stuff and still have a turn as long as they hold on to a blue that's that was 
problematic. Um, Briar, yes, Briar. What what did we figure out? If Briar is running Skullcap, Skeletta, Grasp, and uh, Creepers, she has an intrinsic block. Was it ten? Yeah, it's ten. So, like, I mean, ten's still good, and then the embodiments are good, but the embodiments requires you to put in some work. Like, you don't just automatically get a block for six with a non-attack action. Like, your opponent has to let that damage hit. Your opponent, you have to then give up a card on your turn. Uh, Cheerios Briar doesn't want to give up cards because then their turns become a lot weaker. Like, there are downsides to Briar that I don't think, uh, I don't think Chain had. Well, and I think. I mean, people complain about Briar going like attack with go again, attack with go again, attack with go again. You know, Thorn for two and two or whatever. You know, you you can play out a pretty nuts um, four or five card hand and just like pump a ton of damage. But I mean, Chain and once it got to the end game, would just you know seeds five times and then come in with two rift binds. And, oh yeah. You know, like <laughs> that's that's so much more damage. And, and that's you know, off of two resources. So much of it was yeah, and and so much of it was off of. Um, was arcane damage, so you know you could hardly prevent it, and it's a, it's a lot different than than how Chain plays now and how Briar plays. So I think Seeds was was a good ban. Um, that card was a little bit too pushed, um, and now I think Chain is in a much better spot. You know, it's it's still competitive. It's still a good deck. You know, all the Rune Blades are, are pretty good, pretty solid decks. Um, and so I, I think Unhallowed Rights is probably off the watch list until uh, until Everfest brings us some more Shadow goodies to break Chain again. Um, but, you know, Briar never really had that... It doesn't really have that obvious, oh, this card is busted. Like, we've talked about Plunder Run being an incredible card, but a lot of Briar lists don't even play all nine Plunder Runs. Yeah, uh, so, I think Cheerios Briar did, but like Hybrid Briar, I know I'm running three reds and two yellows, and that's it for Plunder Run. Yeah, so you know, you know, like it's it's a it's a really good deck, and we've found ways to to combat it, and it has weaknesses. It's not like it's lapping the whole field with a sixty percent win rate and and taking up thirty percent of the meta. Like that's, I don't think that's the case, and I think we'll see. Uh, a lot more adjustments, and then whenever Fest comes out, we'll uh, do some brewing and figure out some more strategies to bring to the table against Briar. And maybe after that, if there's uh, something that needs to be done, LSS will adjust it, and and we can go forward. But and I know we're getting our next BNR update on February second, two days before um, Everfest comes out. So by then, we should have the set. Like Everfest will be fully spoiled. Um, any mm-hmm. remaining competitive event for this current season that needs to happen will have happened by then. Um, and they'll have, well, I mean, minus what it sounds like uh, New Zealand at this point. So we'll still have Australia and Singapore, hopefully, to have happened. And they'll be able to, they'll have the complete data they were looking for at that point. So I guess if, if any card or if more specifically Plunder Run gets the axe, that'll be when it'll happen. But yeah, I agree. Um, we'll see how things shake out with uh, with Everfest. Level up. So this week, the level up moment, uh, we wanted to talk about, um, we're going to be dipping into Blitz a bit, um, specifically Blitz deck building. In CC, you've got your sideboard, you've got your 80 card main deck, like you've got the ability to 
make your deck do a few different things and then sideboard accordingly for the matchup. But Blitz, that's not the case. Blitz, you do get your equipment sideboard, like you get your 11 equipment slots and you can you can tailor your equipment to different matchups, but beyond that, the cards you choose for your deck building are are really what you're stuck with. And I think that then makes deck building and blitz a little more finessed. Your deck really has to have a specific game plan and you need like every card you include needs to to cater to that game plan. And if you're not including cards that or if you're including cards that diluting your game plan or aren't really beneficial to what your deck is trying to do, those can really derail you. Blitz can be really swingy and I know um, and I know some people complain about this that like in Blitz you can really you can truly get high rolled. Uh, like you can play against a Reiner and turn one he can intimidate your entire hand and hit you for 20 and there's really nothing you can do. But because Blitz has the less life total, Blitz really tests your metal from the sense of your ability to block very well, know when to block very well, and versus like when you can take the damage to to then execute your game plan and and within that blocking and within the the lower life total each card that you include in your deck once again really needs to you you really need to consider the block value of that card like three versus two like if you're including cards that are two blocks and you're going to play a more defensive plan in blitz you're, you're gonna just, have a bad time. You're gonna have a very bad time. Uh, I know Jeff, you had a really good example of what um, some of the finesse of deck building in Blitz as well. Yeah, well, I noticed. So I said I've been playing Reiner earlier in the pod, and um, I noticed that before I was kind of just taking my my Reiner CC deck and pulling out you know one of each one of each card and trimming it down and you know maybe adding a card back in and calling it good and then you know adding some extra null rune equipment and whatever um but I, you know i kind of took a look and i i realized that you know I have, i've got the cc deck and i've got different game plans for different matchups you know i've only got like a 46 card core or something like that and then every matchup i'm bringing in a certain number of blues and reds and i have different cards that do different things in different matchups and so you know i've got some yellows like i've got the tome of Fiendels to try and have like big turns with with uh scab skins and then i've got just like some yellow six attacks for when i just want like a good block value and and you know make the deck more consistent and i realized that you know maybe in blitz i actually just want more cards that that block well and more cards that help keep my deck consistent and keep my game plan consistent so instead of playing cards like pulping which you know, has no block value. It's a six attack. It's a pretty fine card if I'm on the aggro. But in Blitz, where so often I'm just not on that plan, it's kind of a liability. So, you know, taking out those pulpings and maybe adding like one sink below and one, um, you know, one uh, Tome of Fiendel and, and, uh, and just kind of adding a couple one ofs here and there. So I I almost have like a blitz core of, you know, 34 cards. And then I've got these six cards that are going to be situational, but because it's, because it's blitz, you can always, you know, pitch a card to the bottom and save it for later. Or, um, in the case of like sink below, I can, you know, just use it against, uh, you know, against Briar and just use it, put a bad card 
from my hand onto the bottom and then draw a fresh card and and hope for the best that way so i don't know it, it just it kind of dawned on me that yeah the equipment is now my sideboard and i just need to have a solid game plan but it's nice to have a few tools that will help in different matchups that aren't total write-offs all the time but aren't always the most like you know i, I wouldn't play sink below d if i was playing against um you know like prism or something but if i'm playing against prism in blitz then i can just pitch the sink below and or or find a, a timeline to use it you know so that that was kind of my thought is just sometimes it's nice to have some some one ofs or some, some more situational cards in blitz even though you know you were just talking about <laughs> how it's important to be consistent and have all your cards do the same thing but it's nice to have more situational cards that are also working into your game plan and I, I think to your point, um, like if I expand on your point a bit, like let's say for example, um, in Reinar, you don't want to run like to exact like a bunch of D reacts, but maybe you want that one copy of say Reckless Swing, for example, where you're um, in the early and mid game, you're going to pitch it, but in the late game, it can be that card that closes out your game, and you only need one copy of it to close out a game. Like, get your opponent down to two, and then just kind of block until you turtle up until you reach your reckless swing and win the game there. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's good. That's a good example. Like, Prism Blitz, for example, nowhere near the same strength that Prism uh, Prism and CC has, because Prism and CC can flex between, uh, run that core, and then flex between an Aura's plan or a Herald's plan, and then in, in Prism and Blitz, you really need to decide what your game, your deck's going to do and just include cards that are going to contribute to that. So within that, maybe instead of running, like in CC, you're running three copies of, maybe in Blitz, maybe you'd want to just run one copy of Tome of Divinity and you're just kind of kind of maybe arsenal it, either either going to pitch it or you're going to arsenal it for that turn where you finally do get a card and soul and then you can go off and hopefully close out the game that way. Um, or like, I mean, Kano, for example, um, Kano's got, even though his, 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 his cards in his deck aren't very, like, I mean, there's so many different lines you can take with Kano. The deck building for Kano, I find is fairly linear from the sense of like, okay, I need a lot of blues. Blues are what are going to power my game plan. And then from there, then it's like, okay, what are my few power cards that are gonna, I'm going to play with those blues? What am I going to Kano into? So you run your your couple red Voltic Bolts, your... Yeah, your, um, your Forked Lightnings and your... Your Forked Lightning, your Stir, and yeah. a, a couple other um, big power cards. And then beyond that, it's just blues. And you just want to Kano into your power cards or block and hold on to two cards and pitch a blue and play your you know your crucible into your one voltic bolt chip your opponent down to a point where then you can kano into your power card and win the game that way um if i use another example ira um ira and blitz is so different than ninja in cc um in cc you're well, i mean your only option is, is, is katsu but like Katsu is trying to is going to play off the combo lines and is going to set up these big turns. Whereas Iron Blitz, like you're running three blocks and you're running 
a hand, like a decent handful of blues that are zero costed and you're just going to Kadachi, Kadachi, play a card, Kadachi, Kadachi, play a card. And that is for the most part, the game plan with Ira. So you need, you need a ton of three blocks and you need cards that are going to play well as one ofs. So that is once again, a great example of like how the considerations for deck building and blitz is different than deck building in cc um yeah i think in cc it's because you get you can you know start with a smaller core and then sideboard in a bunch of cards you can kind of flex into different game plans like you said with prism it's easy to go between a heralds or a more mid-range build and then like the auras build whereas in in blitz you you have a lot harder time flexing between those game plans so it's a lot more important to figure out what your game plan is going into your deck building and then build your deck accordingly. And it's okay to have a few cards that'll, you know, maybe not necessarily go perfectly into the game plan, but will help you either survive long enough or, um, or just, you know, you'll, you'll, you'll enjoy having that one copy of Tomo Fiendel when you're at one life, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And when I, when we talk about like, including cards that contribute to your game plan. We're not saying I'm going to set up this particular card into this card and then I want to then play this card. Like it's it's nothing as complex as like setting up very intricate plays. It, it's something as simple as okay, I want an aggressive deck. I want to not block and I want to just present more damage than my opponent can deal with. Okay, so then you're going to run you don't care about your three blocks at that point and you're going to run cards that are cheap efficient and can deal a lot of damage and that's where maybe ninja aggro or runeblade aggro or any aggro deck uh, kind of gets its um its shell from versus you want to run a control deck in blitz at which point you probably want your your red unmovables your like the red unmovable red sync red fate maybe just have one or two big threats and just attrition out your opponent's um, strong cards and wait till they're left with nothing but blues and then close out the game that way. Um, I do find mid-range in... Oh, mind you, my... Like, I play... If I'm playing Ira in in Blitz, I'm usually playing Ira mid-range, um, a combination of big threats and attack... Or D-reacts. But for the most part, mid-range isn't... I don't find it's as viable in, in Blitz as it is in CC because with that less life total and with uh with the, the quicker shorter games like you, you don't necessarily like you're not necessarily always going to see your full deck you're not going to see all the cards you need to see to do what your deck wants to do so you you do have to and that's not to say that mid-range isn't viable in blitz uh but whether yeah whether you're going to be um a combo deck uh uh an aggro deck a control deck um it's a yeah just about understanding each card you're including is what you're stuck with and you do have to just you have to have a very focused game plan when you're in blitz i think that's that's my takeaway at least um yeah and one thing that uh, that i've also found is any deck where you can run multiple different weapons um it's important to understand which mashups you want those weapons in yes um for my reiner example you know i've got the two mandible claws or I've got the romping club and I find I found at first that I was always 
you know, I want to live the dream of Blood Rush Bellows into Mandible Claw, Mandible Claw, you know, like just oh, because that's such a gross turn. It's such yeah. a great turn, you know. Like it's you need a lot of resources, but it's uh, it's an incredible amount of damage, and and you get to intimidate some cards. It's really easy to push damage, but um, you know, over time I've realized that you know, like I've been stuck with a ham where I've had to block with three cards, and I could keep one card, so I've kept a yellow, and then at, in that case, I would just rather have the the four attack with the club, you know, just you hit that break point. Um, you're not going to use the go again anyway. So matchups where I, I know that I'm going to be blocking a decent amount, um, you know, I'll be, I'll run the club and then that way, you know, I can at least leak a damage or, or maybe they just take the four cause they figure it's not worth blocking with the card. Whereas with the claws, it's like, okay, I'll fire up the claw for three. And they're just like, okay, I'll block with one card and then come in with a, a three or four card hand. And I'm just, you know, I'm not making any headway. Whereas with the club, at least I'm, you know, grabbing uh, either a D-React or, or I'm leaking damage or they're using their armor or something, you know? So yeah. just identifying yeah, exactly. which weapon to use. Another example um, is uh, with Lexi, you know, most of the time um, I'm running Voltaire, but I've got the Shiver in the sideboard because sometimes, you know, you're going to play against Old Hammer or a, a controlling deck and it's nice to have that ability to just go a little bit taller, you know, give your arrow some like a dominated effect and just you know push damage that way and that is kind of the cool thing about blitz versus cc though is that with that 11 equipment slots that don't impact your main deck list that's kind of where you've got the wiggle room to really tailor your deck to each matchup um and that once again can be something as simple as well in games where like if i'm building a deck with cards cost just one or less and I'm going to be flipping back and forth between an aggro or uh, a defensive strategy, I can have both Snapdragon Scalers and probably, let's say, something as simple as Iron Rot Legs in my... Uh, or Iron Rot Boots in my, uh, in my equipment package. And then on the aggressive game plans, I would run Snapdragon Scalers. On the defensive game plans, I'd run Iron Rot Boots. Because um, if you're blocking a lot, you're not going to play a lot of attacks, and you're not going to miss those Scalers versus... Um, yeah, if you're trying to push damage, then you can get that go again, and you can hopefully push over the edge of your opponent. Um, or, yeah, running different weapons. Um, who, like... Yeah, like Guardian, for example. Uh, with all the blues they run, if Guardian's playing into Wizard, Guardian actually wants to run Sledge of Anvilheim, and their game plan becomes block, block, and just swing the Sledge. Don't bother setting up big turns. Just block and swing the sledge over and over and over again. It's not a it's not a sexy or exciting game plan, but it's an effective one. It's a consistent one. And then on you know on those games where they're not matched up against Kano, that's when they can bring in a Nothos or they can bring in oh if they're go paired with. up against Dash, you know you can go with the Titan's Fist or and uh, the Rampart. Yeah. And you've still got all the blues you need to trigger Rampart, but now you're um you, you've got room in your deck to um to bring in those different pieces of equipment for that um for for that variable game plan without adjusting the cards in your deck mm-hmm. and i know with cc deck building a lot of times people are like well i want my equipments to be as focused as possible because i don't want to take away slots from other cards that i could include to make my deck better 
And the beauty about Blitz is you don't have to worry about that. So yeah, the right equipment for the right matchup is also very crucial in uh, in Blitz. Uh, Andrew, I don't know if you had anything to add into this. I know um, you typically play a more, you, you like to play a more aggressive strategy in, in, in Blitz from what I've seen. Yeah, you guys, uh, you guys hit the nail on the head pretty well there. I, uh, sometimes the problem I have is narrowing it down to what the best 40 cards are for any matchup that I might play at my LGS. So I think to further your initial points there, like looking at the deck and trying to decide exactly what your game plan is or just how to be the most consistent kind of helps me cut down the uh, the last couple cards to get it to 40. I know uh, for, the, for the Calgary Skirmish, I ended up cutting Sonatas because sometimes they're not consistent and I cut Yellow Ravenous Rebels because I think it was like the next worst card in the deck and made sure I had six Plunder Runs and, you know, being a Cheerios Briar list, I just focused on how do I make my deck the most aggressive, most aggro, all-out attacking every turn as possible, and found some success there. So I think identifying exactly what your deck's trying to do is definitely like the first step there. And yeah, that sounds spot on. Well, I think that brings us into the end of episode six. God, I can't believe we're already on episode six. Uh, this has been going by very fast. Plugs at the end of the show. We have our Twitter, www.twitter.com forward slash the combat chain or uh, at the combat chain. Uh, we do have our email. If you have any questions, thoughts, comments, um, you can hit us there. Combatchain at gmail.com. And then we are also available on every major media platform, uh, wherever you listen to podcasts, um, Apple Music, Spotify, just, everything. Just everything. If you name it, you can, you can find us on there. <laughs> uh, furthermore, we are also launching our Patreon. Um, we're a couple months into this. Uh, hosting our podcast does come with uh, a cost so we're not we're not asking for much um, five bucks a month gets you uh, access to our private discord as well as um, gets you a shout out on the show um, and it just it helps us out uh, we're gonna link uh, for some reason we we've extensively tried to figure this out prior to recording this episode and for some reason you can't google search us on or search us on patreon you'll find some weird combat flight simulator dude and that's the only thing that comes up with the combat chain but we will link it in the uh youtube video and once again if you uh email us uh combat chain at gmail.com we can give you any info you're looking for there if we can ask you to like and subscribe on youtube that helps us out uh any reviews that you can provide on apple music or uh, spotify or wherever helps us reach more people uh helps us get some exposure so to whatever capacity you guys can help us out we are so 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 grateful i think that's all for this week until next week uh we're uh, closing the, the combat, combat chain, Yeah.